0: Here we go. Uh, w- could I start off with a demotion? I'm actually a department director, not the president, all right? So I don't know if that makes me more listenable or not so much, but um, I could have been president. You know, I'm not. Um, it's, it's a delight to be here. I, I really came just to see uh, Neil Walker in shorts on a Sunday, and uh, so I've, I've achieved that already. Um, and uh, I I do teach uh, historical theology for Gateway Seminary. Oh, thank you. This re- also reminds me of. Uh, you may have figured this out already. How many gracious, thoughtful people are involved in this place? Uh, just the sight and sound crew, um, all the behind scenes people, the worship people, all of that's just fantastic. Uh, thanks, Mark. Um, in fact, I couldn't be here if this, if these folks hadn't given such careful, thoughtful attention to, uh, you know, pandemic protocols. Because I have people at both ends of the state who take care of my grandkids on a regular basis who check to see. They went to your website to see if it would actually be safe for me to come here to and to have my granddaughter tonight. So thank you. Um, I'm I'm in good key in in good good ways that way. The um, other thing I love about this place, you know, Alhambra, uh, you know, um, Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. Um, Ferdinand and Isabella in Spain. Well, their palace was the Alhambra, and it's a structure like this, about this big. And so, uh, it you know, I want to go and compare the layout of this place. But you guys get to worship in such an awesome. Stimulating environment, so I'm, I'm I'm praising God for that myself. Um, and I'm sorry I can't be here consistently because I teach a class up in the Bay Area. So getting up in the Bay Area um, uh, every other week, um, it's a theology class that meets on Monday nights. So that's the reason. Otherwise, I'd be here all the time. Um, I live in Lake Forest, just a left turn from Irvine, and um, oh. Erin is one of my favorite people on earth, one of my favorite students, graduates, so proud of her and uh, grateful and looking forward to meeting uh, more of you. By the way, yesterday I signed a contract to have the uh, the trees on my property trimmed and pruned. And so when I saw these two trees, these are awesome, awesome trees. Uh, any horticulturists here or arborists, you know what kind of tree it is? My son has one of those apps on his phone. I guess I'll have to get it where you can just hold it up the leaf and it will tell you. But these two trees are in desperate need of pruning. You can't even see what the tree is. The tree's dying to show off. But in order to prune it, you need the kind of person who knows you don't do it from the outside. You do it from the inside. You climb up inside. And I learned this from... Um, a Mexican friend of mine who, I, I, I didn't even understand what the tree is supposed to be until I saw him go up inside and make it what it's supposed to be. He was just awesome. And it's the same concept that's in uh, the Gospel according to John chapter 15. When he calls the Father, God the Father, a name, he calls him a Georgos. He is the, he's the pruner. And you know, I think a lot of people would like God to stay on the outside and just give them a light trim occasionally? That's not how he works. He comes up inside the life and if you let him do the cutting he wants to do, your life will become what he's meant it to be. It will be amazing. Painful, but just amazing. Um, Maybe I'll, I'll flesh that out a little bit later when I come back, but now... If you have a Bible with you or uh, on any, you know, mechanism, what have you, if you could turn to Hebrews chapter 6, we'll get there eventually. I'm very curious, do we have any surfers in the house, online or in person? Okay, let's do it the other way. Any wannabe? <laughs> like to be? Okay. Have any of you been wiped out by a wave? Okay, me too, me too. Have you been so wiped out that you ate sand? Okay, yeah, yeah. I was in Imperial Beach uh, when I was in, in middle school, and I was on a boogie board, and this huge wave was coming in, and I, no, it was La Costa. And so I'm catching this wave, and the curl went right over and touched in front of me. I can still see this. And I looked right, and I saw the tunnel, and I looked left and saw the tunnel, and then I realized the danger. (laughs) That this wave was going to shove me right down to the bottom. And I thought, this could hurt. Um, And it did that. I came away with a fat lip and a mouthful of sand, but I came away. Um, And you know, the storms and waves come. And they wrap you up and roll you around. You're going to get wet. Um, but the storms come. Uh, if you were able to see the pictures, um, there is off the coast of Portugal a place where a guy has surfed the largest wave known to be surfed. And the way the photographer, you know, had the layout, it looked to me like that wave was going to wipe out the lighthouse that was right there. Uh, But you can see this little white line coming down, and the sky's on this wave. Um, And my first thought was, that can't be. My second thought was, that guy's going to die. And the third thought was, I would never, ever, no, not ever do that. Um, and those waves come, those storms come, and uh, sometimes they're personal. I got an email uh, this year, and the subject line said, um, we've had some horrific news about our son. It's from a friend of mine named Brian. Now, I don't usually get emails. I can't even ever remember the last time a friend used the word horrific so I read that and Brian and his wife were having to catch the biggest wave in their life the death of their son but the wave got bigger because the death was very difficult I didn't know that their son had had um, drug issues and had been battling that he was a follower of Christ but still battling that and they had great hopes for him this time because he was in a detox place and getting great treatment, and he was showing good results and good response to that. It wasn't like it was just imposed on him. He was embracing it. Well, he had been released. And then not many weeks later, uh, he fell back into drugs and was in a single car accident, and it took his life. And it took, it's like it took his parents' hearts, too, for a while. And as I'm looking at them, thinking about the picture of that wave, I thought, they are going to be tumbled in that wave. They are going to get wet. How can I pray for them? And this verse came to mind that we're going to look at. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, um, verse 19 and 20. Now, it's, it's in the midst of a big discussion, and so it's kind of like listening in on the conversation. Um, but I just want to read those those verses to you, and then I'll I'll give you a little more of the context. Um, so, verse um, nineteen says, "We have this hope as an anchor for our lives, safe and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf." as a forerunner, remember that word, because he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And so you've got some metaphors here. Um, High priest, what does that mean? Um, Forerunner, what does that mean? Um, And then anchor. Um, Anchoring A ship that doesn't have an anchor always drifts. And a soul, a self, an inner self that doesn't have an anchor is going to drift, especially in a storm. Maybe to the rocks and destruction. Uh, Actually, the New Testament talks about several guys that ran their lives onto the rocks because of neglecting faith and a clear conscience. So... Having an anchor before the storm gets here, before the trouble comes, is the way to make a life work. You know, a lot of people are not making it through this pandemic. And a lot more are not going to make it through the pandemic because they have insufficient resources to handle the crises that are going to come. this Monday, this last Monday, I was in the Bay Area with my car. I took it to—I haven't, you know—I've just relocated back down to Southern California, so I don't have a dentist, I don't have a auto repair guy, you know, all the essentials of life. So I took it back to my old guy, and my car's on the rack or whatever it was, and I'm—I'm I'm sitting there grading papers, and I came across one of those emails um, from my president. See, I can't be the president. I got an email from the president. Anyway, not not that one. I think our guy lives in a a brown house, not a white house. And um, he said a colleague of mine had died that morning, age 51. She'd had knee surgery on Friday and was dead Monday morning. I, I think I got the email 12 minutes after she died. And this is a person who'd been a student of mine, a person who I had worked with uh, through her invitation in Hohhot in, in uh, Inner Mongolia, China, and then I ended up going back three more times to a bunch of other cities. Um, I was able to, you know, just be alongside her any opportunity they had. So to help her get on the faculty at Gateway, and uh, just an amazing person, Lisa Hoff, and and she's gone. I know you've probably read that verse, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Um, The takeaway can be very unexpected and honestly brutal. I think some of you have been through that or maybe you're going through that. Um, And, you know, when, when the ship is properly anchored and then a wave hits it, it'll pull against the anchor. And I could feel myself pulling And I could feel the anchor hold. The anchor holds. And that's what this passage is talking about. Because the Hebrews, who had become followers of Jesus, living in Rome particularly, Rome had figured out the difference between a Jew and a Christian. Now, once Rome figured that out, guess what? It doesn't pay to persecute Jews. They're really expensive to persecute. They fight back. But they could persecute the Christians without persecuting the Jews now. So if you're a Jewish Christian, you know, you've got Visa and MasterCard. Which card do I play? Am I a Jew or shall I be a Christian? And so that's the issue that, that the writer of Hebrews is speaking to. Look, you really only have one card. You are a Jewish follower of Jesus. Do not give him up. He's the anchor. He's the high priest. We'll get into that a little bit more. Um, he's the anchor for your soul. And the anchor will hold. Don't give up your hope in him. Do not give up your hope in him. Um, when, the, when the crisis comes, and crises are going to come, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I spoke to a group of pastors this week, and, and my lead was, here's the first good news I have for you. It's okay to not be okay. Biblically speaking, it's okay to not be okay. Second thing is people who deny the grief they're experiencing sometimes think that's an act of faith. That's not true. Biblically, grief, to go through grief well, is an act of faith. Um, We grieve, but we don't give up hope because the anchor holds. When the crisis comes, we won't make it. If we don't have sufficient resources, we'll go into fragmentation, disintegration, depression, regret, around and around in in that problem. Uh, But if you have sufficient resources, uh, wonderful things happen. And in the book of Hebrews, this one is a big one. We'll come back to it. But also in chapter 10, verse 25 uh, to 34, it talks about the season season. Being evil, it's evil. Therefore, don't discourage one another from gathering together. Now, you've gathered together by grace, six feet apart, social distancing. Uh, by the way, that's practiced in the Bible, too, uh, during seasons of pandemic. But those of you that are online, you're doing the same thing. And these small groups that Chris was talking about, man, get in a small group. Amazing things happen when you get to talk back to each other. The Holy Spirit has just an incredible witness when you do that. But now, you are building resources by being here this morning. The songs, the prayers, the people, the message maybe. You are your resource level is going up. Check your phone, it's right there. It's going up uh, as you're connecting with the Lord. Uh, so stay in fellowship. Even when you don't want to see anybody. Stay in fellowship fellowship is two or more people being on the same ship going the same direction with the same captain. Jesus is our captain. Um, and he's willing to turn into the storm. Good ships do that. Uh, the other one is. Um, having a believing worldview. The Lord is really in charge. Things are coming apart, but the Lord's still in charge. Um, Trusting his sovereign lordship over all things. He's got a plan, and God is working his plan. And we'll be able to see it afterwards, but not now. We just have to be faithful. So a believing worldview. Hebrews chapter 11 lists a whole bunch of people who in troubles and storms and pandemics stayed true their faith was anchored by faith. It's, you please God. You must believe he exists, and he's about things. My father is working, and I'm still working. Um, so that resource. The third one is the one that we're working on now, hope in Christ. Um, uh, with sufficient faith and fellowship, you can find your way through crises and avoid fragmentation and regression. There, I know you know some people. Maybe it's you that some of your friends are just not the same right now. They're they're lost. They're drifting. Um, they're tired. They're angry. They're hostile. They're passive, detached, and hostile um, because they've lost their anchor or they've let go of their anchor. Um, we have uh, as an anchor of the soul this hope in Christ. Um, the one who enters through the veil. Now, online you can see the slide, but there is in the Jewish temple, whether it was the tabernacle or the physical one, uh, you go into the holy place, there's a holy of holies, and at the front of the holy, or as you enter the holy, there's a huge curtain. Uh, some have said it's it's about the thickness, you know, I don't even know how to make material this thick, about three man's You know, palms so very, very thick. By the way, when Christ died, it was torn from the top to the bottom, because it says Jesus entered into that. Now, it's the tradition: the high priest, um, the high priest would go in once a year. Do you know? You know the day he goes in. I know you know it. Yom Kippur. Kippur means to cover. And once a year, the high priest would go in with a bloody offering and put it on uh, the ark as an offering to the Lord to renew their covenant with him. And Jesus goes in there as our high priest, our great high priest. In fact, um, the text, as you as you read a little bit further, was well, the last verse. Um, a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, there's the usual high priest, like Caiaphas was a high priest. Ananias was a high priest. That's the usual order. But there's an order above that order, Melchizedek. And that comes out of Genesis chapter 14. Uh, There are other places where it's identified. This guy was not just a high priest. He was also a king. He was the king of of Salem. Maybe that's a a shortened version of Jerusalem or uh, another city. But it means peace. So he's, he's the king of peace. And he's also the high priest. So he has, of the three offices Christ had, he also had prophet. Um, But, you know, two out of the three, he's got this order, and Jesus is of that order, that order. Now, unless you're in the military, have military background, I don't think we usually understand how this works exactly. I remember driving in my little Ford Escort. You remember those cars? And I had my son with me, and I was riding with a retired Air Force colonel to Fairfield, to Travis Air Force Base. And, you know, they couldn't have breezed us through the entrance gate faster when they realized who was sitting in the passenger seat, this colonel. I mean, the guy, we drive in. He says, well, just, just go over there. Go through that gate. And we drove on the tarmac and parked under the wing of a C-5A. Now, if he hadn't been with me, I would have never even tried that. You know, never, never. One time I got to go into San Quentin in my van, because I was driving the warden's wife. She had been in my class at the seminary. And we just zoomed right through there, because they recognized her. But in a very few minutes, I was really worried, because guess what? She was going to get out of my van. And I'm going to try to get back out that gate. And I really wanted to get out of that gate. I guess they remembered me. Um, and That's what it's like having Jesus... As the high priest, there is none higher. There is no no other name given among men where where we can be made whole. Scripture says, "There's no higher rank than that." He comes into the right hand of the Father. Comes right in, and he offers. If you slip over to chapter nine, verse eleven and following, he makes an offering there. You know, the job of the high priest is once a year. To make an offering, and he knows it's going to have to happen next year. By the way, the high priest also had to make an offering for his own sin, but Jesus had no sin, and he comes in and he offers his own life—the life that he laid down two thousand years ago. He in the holy of holies, in God's very presence. Um, in you know, I teach theology. That's my day job, and one of the things that we talk about in theology is something called the atonement. It just means at one-ment. You know, humanity is separated from God because of sin. How can we ever get reconciled with God? Well, through atonement you can. There must be a covering for sin. They were back to that word kippur, a covering. And it's it's the death of Christ that covers that. Well, how does that how does that translate? Um somewhere around here is the Keck School of Medicine. Do you know which direction that office is? Okay, all right. So is anybody here a doctor or studying or teaching? Okay, so we're all sort of... E- oh, you are. Oh. I might be wrong, so try not to look disappointed. Okay, all right. Um, that's the problem. If you talk about a movie here, some of you guys are movieologists, you know. It's just... Okay, I don't know that much, but I'll tell you what I know. If you have certain kind of leukemia, cancer of the blood... Um, if that's going to be resolved, it can't be resolved medically with chemo and so forth, you have to go to a bone marrow transplant. Um, the problem with a bone marrow transplant is you've got to find a tissue match, a willing donor, and um, the donor's got to be healthy. So there was a Filipino couple who had a beautiful daughter, but when she got into her teen years, she started getting sick. And they finally diagnosed it as leukemia, the kind that really probably could only be resolved if you could find a donor. And they searched, and they searched for a donor. They couldn't find one, not the father, not the mother, none of the family members, no friends. And she just continued in the progression of this disease, uh, of this cancer, leukemia. And so finally, they came up with a very unusual solution, possibly. Um they decided, the husband decided to reverse his vasectomy, try to see if his wife could still get pregnant, and maybe that child could be a donor. And so they went through all those procedures, I'm kind of giving the fast track here, and uh, when the baby was sufficiently old enough, they took a test, and that baby was a perfect match for her sister. And you say, well, Okay, having that kind of, you know, it's not that, it's a painful kind of thing to take that marrow out, but they decided to do it when she turned two. The daughter's, uh, the daughter, older daughter's faith is, is, or, uh, health is, is failing. But what happens is, it worked. But part of the process in bone marrow transplant is, you kind of have to kill the person who's going to receive it. Because you've got to kill the cancer in them. So they give them, high doses of chemo and radiation. And then once they've done that, the person has 72 hours. They have 72 hours before they die. They're essentially dead because they can't make blood anymore. And they have to have that donation. Now, um, if you read the Bible very much, it may turn you off, but if you read it very much, the Bible thinks something's gone wrong with humanity. That we have a cancer in us that has metastasized throughout the whole thing. And the Bible calls this sin. It has a bunch of words for it. Uh, But it's in us. Augustine said, I stole those, now he was younger when he did this, I stole those pears, and I didn't even care to eat them. I didn't even try to sell them. I just threw them. Because I liked it. There's something wrong with us in a tide. And, the only way it can be fixed is by you know, a soul marrow transplant. But you've got to have a donor who's a perfect match. And that's why God became incarnate and became a human being. Because it's not enough to be a perfect match. You've got to be clean and healthy and a willing donor. And that's the kind of high priest we have in Christ. And when he crawls up into your life, Life comes online for you, of a relationship with the living God, the Lord of reality, of all things. Um, and this is our high priest, and that's that sense of anchoring. Um, the other day I was uh, with a, a, a Korean family, and we, we were going to have prayer. And the the wife, Sarah, she goes, and she starts this, um, says, this is what I want to pray for. You know, and I, I, I can't even remember what it was. I just remember it was way, way, way over the top. You know, it's like praying for a car, a new car. And she said, Lord, I'd like a, you know, a Mercedes, and I'd like the, you know, the super sound system, and I'd like the AMG engine, you know, just way over the top. And so I said to Sarah, don't you think you're asking for a little bit much? You know, what's wrong with a nice Honda Accord? And so she goes, she goes, it's okay. He loves me. In that sense, when you, there's just an authority and a confidence, a competence, not an arrogance, but just something that happens in you and me. When we know that he loves us, he will not let us go. Psalm 138 in one translation says, even when we could no longer hold on to God, he held on to us. He will not let us go. High priest. Anchor the soul. And then there's this other word, and I'll wrap it up with this. Um, Forerunner. You know, the the person that runs ahead and gets things ready or what have you. But there is a nautical meaning. It may be the D meaning under the word forerunner. And it's this. In the ancient world, ships, sailing ships, fishing boats, sometimes they had to try to outrun a storm and they couldn't make it. They're racing for a safe harbor out of the, the shelter of the wind and the waves. But if they could get close enough, not quite in, you know, you, you, you don't just have to make it to harbor. You have to make it to harbor before the tide goes out. You know, so some of those harbors had sort of shallow draft and you can't get in there. When that happened, they couldn't get into the harbor, but the storm is coming what they would do is put a couple of, you know, well-muscled sailors into a smaller boat. They would put the anchor in the boat. And they would make them row the anchor into the harbor ahead so that the ship could wait until the tide went up and make it into the harbor itself. And those two guys were called the forerunners because they would take the anchor ahead. And that's what this passage is talking about. Jesus has gone ahead of us. And our hope is that he has anchored us in heaven with God. And no matter what storm, what accusation, what condemnation comes, the anchor will hold. And those Hebrew Christians who got this letter, they got it and they held And we're faithful, even to persecution and trouble. How about you? Are you anchored? Um, How can we get anchored like that? I think there's just probably something very familiar for you about that. You know, the first is just to say, I want it. (laughs) I want him. I want Christ. I'd like to be anchored like that. You know, one time I tried to kill my son. It was by accident. Um, I was climbing this uh, really steep embankment at the at the beach. I think it was Goat Rock State Beach up in North, and my son was like two or three, and I I was not paying attention. I was just having a good time, and I turned around, and here's this shrimpy guy right behind me. Wherever I went, he went, and just as I realized he was there, he starts sliding down, and I mean, it would have been awful. And I just grabbed his wrist, and he just stopped going. And that's the Lord's way with us. You'll feel him grab you, and you'll feel the anchor and the chain get tight. Confession of Christ and confession of sin. I need Christ. I don't know about you. I need Christ because I do rebel. I am selfish. I am arrogant. And I have this sin in me and I need him inside my life to make me his and to make me like what he wants. Um, Second, if this really happened to me, I became hungry to read the Bible. Uh, You you know, you you know about Calvary Chapel started back in the early 70s and a whole bunch of hippies came to Christ and they got a hunger for God's word and they wanted to to study it at, at, at their church And they start showing up in their sandals and shorts, just like Neil Walker. And (laughs) almost all of them had the only Bible that was in their house. They had that family Bible, that King James giant family Bible, because that's all they had. They were hungry for the Word. Be hungry. Read it. Think it. Pray it. Every day. Every day. Um, I think the third is a desire to make restitution. There's probably some folks that you need to say sorry, need to pay back, need to give back. Making restitution is part of the work of the Holy Spirit to trim our lives up. Fourth is faithful to the fellowship. Would you check that one right now? You're doing it. (laughs) You're being faithful to the fellowship. Use online. I call it Zoom land. Check it. Check it. Keep checking it. And then the last one Being mindful of the people around you who are drifting without an anchor. Pray for them, talk to them. I'm trying to call a couple of people every day that are drifting, family members, friends, just checking on them, are they okay? Um, In a way you can help them find the anchor, know about Christ, know about hope, That's beyond hope. Um, uh, I think more people are watching you than ever before, because we're all in a storm, and there's some people who are sailing with confidence. Uh, You know the name John Wesley. Um Wesley came to Christ because he was sailing on a ship. Now, he's, he's an ordained Episcopalian pastor, a missionary to Virginia, but he flunked. He failed. He got fired. So he's being sent back, so to speak, in shame. He's on this ship. A storm comes, and the sailors are terrified. Wesley's terrified. And there's a, there's a couple of hand groups of guys, of people, that were, from, had, were uh, refugees, and they're called Moravians. And they just sang. There was just peace in their life. Okay, the ships, yeah, waves are coming over, and they were at peace. He realized, they have something I don't have, and I need it. I want it. I want him. Wesley came to Christ because he saw somebody like you going through real difficulty, with a sense of direction and peace and hope. So watch for those people. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for pieces of pages in the Bible, like this one to the Hebrews. Thank you for me, where way your Holy Spirit unzips the truths that are embedded in these texts in such a way it transforms us, gives us hope makes us know about Christ as our anchor. Uh, Lord, send us out uh, to be your instruments, to be um, shipmates with people who are in trouble. Thank you for the way you've blessed us and forgiven us in Christ forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.